What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of Fan World. I'm your host, Lucid Dreams, and on today's show, I'm introducing a brand new segment. Joining me today is Titan, and he will be one of my co-hosts on a brand new weekly podcast covering all the game action, stats, hot takes, and more. Hope you enjoy. All right, I'm being joined here by Titan. What's going on, man? What up, what up, what up? We're talking stats. We are two pieces of what is supposed to be a three-piece. We will hopefully uh, get into full swing. Let uh, Shrub explain himself next time. He better explain himself. (laughs) We're going to talk some stats here. So I know you've been working on a... A little bit of a list about what teams you have uh, performing well this season. I don't know if you want to start with performing well or if you want to start with some teams that maybe aren't performing very well. Yeah, so I mean, uh, you know, uh, the latest PT came up and we it gave it gave a, a option to write on teams that were overachieving, teams that were underachieving. Um, I kind of took it a step further and put a, a thing in there that I that, that I thought teams a category where I think teams are supposed to be and how they're playing is where they're supposed to be playing. So, do you want to start with underachieving, overachieving? What do you want to do? Uh, let's. I'll let you take that one. However, however you want to start it, man. All right. Let's talk about the teams that are where they're at. Where is it? Is where I believe they should be. All right. So, I mean, first up, we talk about our own Phillies, the Liberty. Um, I think we are doing as expected. We have close games. We're pulling out some wins. I think we will pull out some more wins as this goes on, because our TP keeps going up. Um, so I think we're, where we're supposed to be, we had a tough loss to Berlin this last week. Um, but looking at that, I think we, I think we are on the right path. Um, and then obviously next year we'll do better. Uh, Arizona. I also think Arizona's were playing, you know, outstanding football, uh, and you know, they have an outstanding team. They have a lot of TP, uh, they have good defense, good offense, um, they do have a tendency to choke later in the season, so we'll see if that happens. But I think right now that they're playing um, where they're supposed to be compared to years past where they kind of underachieved. Um, go to the overachieving teams. Any comments on those ones? Lucid. Uh, for me, I get for the overachieving teams, um, I've been very surprised with – you can't do this without mentioning San Jose right now. Um they started through the first week of the Sims. They started out or first four weeks of the Sims first week of games. Um, they started out three and one. I don't think if you would have asked anybody uh, before the season started to rate San Jose, I don't think very many people would have said they were going to start three and one this season. So I'd probably put them towards the top of my list along with uh, Colorado Yeti. I know they're one of those teams that seems to hover kind of middle to top of the pack, but, uh, Again, starting out three and one was something that I didn't have uh, for Colorado. Yeah, and I think with uh, you know these teams that you, t- you just mentioned there, uh, especially especially San Jose, they have a lot of close games um, in that stretch. Um, so they're another team that I think is kind of up in the air each week. They can play really well, or they can kind of let it let it slide a little bit based on how well their offense plays that part you know and they do have the skilled players on offense um you know laxon is good 
they do have a reasonably talented person at quarterback. Um, you know, so I think that they have the skill players there to continue to do well. Uh, maybe not obviously be a, you know, 12 plus win team, but I think that they do have that. They are overachieving a little bit in my opinion. Yeah, um, the only one the I have, game. the only one I have on there that you didn't mention was the Otters, the Orange County Otters. And their defense is playing extremely lights out, like to the point where I'm like, uh, where did this come from? You know what I mean? Like they have, they have people that are contributing on that defense that are just lights out right now. And I don't think that that's going to continue on through the season. So I think they're going to, they're going to kind of suspend near that 500 mark. Yeah. Um, I didn't bring up Orange County. I don't, uh, they're performing where I kind of expected them to. I expected more out of them last season as well. Um, I know I was new to the league for the last season, but it was still looking over the teams. I guess I expected them to achieve a little more than they did last season. So I was, this was kind of what I was expecting from them for last season. So. Yeah. And I mean, they lost that big one to the outlaws to Arizona uh, in preseason. I was like, Oh my God, you know, are they going to be able to get this going? Rams will look shaky. And then season uh, week one came along and they ended up beating the Sabercats in a close game, but I honestly think that they did better in that game than what the what the score kind of showed, um, just because of their defense. And then you know that the next week comes along and they go out there and they just blast, you know Honolulu, which Honolulu is a whole other topic that I'm going to bring up here in a second. Um, but I mean, Tank is having a good year running. I mean, he ran for 170 yards and three touchdowns in that game alone. I mean, and then the next week comes along week three and he puts up another 70 yards and a touchdown while, you know, the rest of the offense didn't really do much. So, I mean, like, I, their defense is just so clutch right now. And I don't think that the defense is going to continue with their, and their offense is their running game is good. Their passing game is a little shaky. So that's what I think is going to kind of pitter out on them. Well, they're throwing the ball a ton. Um, it seems like I know they've had a couple. What is it? Two games now with where he's throwing the ball over forty times. Yeah, but you look at his, st- you look at his stat line, and he's he's still you know at the bottom of the pack in yardage. He's he doesn't have many interceptions. I'm talking about Ramza here. Um, you know he's got under. You know he's sitting at under ten touchdowns right now. So they're throwing the ball that much, but it's not efficient. Like they're not having an efficient time throwing that ball. Yeah, if you look at, you know, just going back to week one, um, he threw the ball, what is it, 50, 52 <laughs> times? But he only completed 34 of those 52 attempts. He yeah. did complete 372 yards and three touchdowns. But Yeah, um, I, I, ultimately I think I think Tank is saving them right now offensively. I mean, he, you say they're throwing the ball a lot, which they are, but – Tank is the one that's constantly showing up in, in the stat sheets as a leader, you know, each week to carry them to a victory. So yeah, with 52 yeah. attempts, I would just, I would think we would have seen a little more um, offensive production from the passing game. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Well, hey, he did have uh, week one, the Otters did have two receivers go over a hundred yards though. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So and then, I don't know for like the next two weeks there, they went on a, uh, they, they're still trying to pass the ball, but um, 
you know, you can see in that game that you mentioned too, Tank only had 34 yards rushing. So, you know, obviously they went away from the rushing game, which has, I think, been carrying them. I still think it's been carrying them, even with Rams' numbers. Well, yeah, like you mentioned, uh, for week two, uh, you know, Tank had 21 rushes for 169 yards and three touchdowns. Yeah. There's your rebound there. You can see the score of that game. Look at the score of that game, 31-13, whereas the other games, when they put up 52 passing attempts a game, are, are, you know, close games that they're hardly, you know, barely winning. And their defense is just keeping them in in the game. You mentioned those close games. Uh, You look at the Otters for week three um, coming in. They uh, only had 69 uh, rushing yards from Tank for that game, and the score was nine to six. Yeah, I think they have a team that's their defense is good. Like I seriously think their defense is good. Um, I don't, th- I don't think it's as good as it's showing. But what they, what I think they need to do, and the way that their team is built, is they need to run the ball and just control the clock and let their defense play its play its game. You know, and I think that they'll show they'll show better success going forward. And I still think they're overachieving because of that. You know, I think their offense is very inefficient, and I think their defense has been just so ungodly efficient um, that you know, it's really it's really carrying them. That's all right. Let's go. Let's move on to underachieving teams. <laughs> we could talk all day on on the Orange County, but so underachieving teams. So, I mean, my first one that comes to my mind is Berlin. Um, coming into the season, I thought Berlin with the trades they, or with the pickups they got, you know, um, DeVille and Hood, you know, I thought both of those guys coming in, I'm like, oh, my God, Berlin's going to be a super team. Um, you know, because, you know, Capricolin's good. He's very good. Um, has a tendency to throw a lot of interceptions, but he's good. Um, and I think that they're, they're underachieving, you know, at this point at the point, you know, of what they're doing right now. They're... Where uh, where do you see them underachieving at overall? Just their record. They should have – I think that Berlin should be, honestly, in Arizona's point where they're riding a 5-1 and one or 5-0. and oh, You know, I, I think that they shouldn't have lo- – they shouldn't have losses right now. Just based on the TPE and the roster that they have, like it blows my mind that they that they have let games slip out. And in those games, their offense has been shaky. Which they have a great quarterback. They have a lot of great receiving threats. Um, I, I just it, it's hard for me to understand how their offense can struggle in game. Yeah, it was you know definitely the start of the season for them. I know like most of my notes I have are just from the, the first four weeks of the ISFL season. Mm-hmm. Um, I haven't updated it yet for this, uh, couple games we've had so far this week, but, um, you know, starting two and two, I think was probably something that Berlin didn't expect coming in. Um, and like you said, them even having losses. So starting the season out a little rough, but it seems like they've kind of rebounded from there. Yeah. I mean, in week one, they kicked the door open winning, you know, by a landslide against Yellowknife. And then week two. They kind of, you know, let one slip. Let one slip with that, you know, loss to the sailfish, which their offense is blowing the roof off right now. But I mean, their Berlin's defense is like a, is like an open door. I um, think the sh- shocking one for me with Berlin was the loss to uh, Colorado. 
yeah, and I was just I was just gonna I was just gonna mention that you know they come they come up against a Colorado team that has been probably the most inconsistent team I've seen in the league uh, so far this season, and you know they let up four touchdowns, no picks, a thirty-five for fifty, you know, outing for Caliban, um, you know, it's just crazy. Now you bring up Caliban. That's another player to me that uh, I don't know. I that's the reason to me. Like I know Colorado's doing decent, uh, at least for the start. They started three and one for the first four games, but I was expecting, you know, I guess a little more. It's nice to I guess see the team starting to get wins there for somebody like Caliban who put up the numbers he did last season, um, and it seems like he's already off to that early start again to maybe take a shot at his passing record that he broke last year. So, well, and, and Colorado, I'm sorry for interrupting you. Colorado just like throws the ball like every time. Like, I feel like they have Gilbert sitting there, you know, ready to take the ball, ready to tote the rock. And he is very efficient with his rushes. Um, but they have Caliban throwing for 67 time uh, attempts against uh Hahalua, Hahalua defense, you know, in week, uh, what week was that week four? you know, where they have one of the worst rushing defenses in the league and you're throwing the ball 67 times and throwing for a touchdown and two interceptions on 477 yards. <laughs> like that's just, and you end up, it's, you know, barely winning the game. 67 pass attempts. Yeah. Although with Gilbert in that game, specifically with, uh, um, Honolulu, uh, the Honolulu or Hahalua, mm-hmm. um, you're looking at your speaking about Gilbert. I mean, still 19 attempts. It's not like they weren't trying to give him the ball. I mean, 19 attempts for 57 yards. Uh, seemed like maybe they were just kind of struggling to get going there. Yeah, but watching that game, all of those were at the goal line where he's running into the goal line until he gets a touchdown. You know what I mean? Like that's they would pass the ball all the way down the all the way down the field to Lim, who had 202 yards in that game um, and only one touchdown. And then they would just try to beat the rock in with Gilbert. But, I mean, that's what they've been doing the last few seasons. And, you know, Caliban broke a record last year doing it. But you look at the next week with them playing against the Wraiths, and they end up losing 14-43, to you know? Yeah. Against a Wraiths team who has arguably been letting up quite a few yards themselves. So that's what I'm talking about, the inconsistency of the Yeti. You know, like, they're just – you don't know what to expect every week against them. Then they come out against us uh, and, you know, beat us up 47-17. to 17. So uh, I just – and in that game, Gilbert ran for 83 yards and a touch. So, you know, on 15 attempts. Yeah, that's – I'm going to I'm gonna try not to get into too much past week four. I'm going to save that for our, our next episode, but – it's hard to man, hard to. We've yeah, been we've been trying to balance this. Yeah, we we got a little behind here with this first episode, but hopefully, uh, moving forward, we'll be right on track with everything else. So, on to my last team that's underachieving. Finish this off, uh, Honolulu. I mean, I thought they were going to be bad. I didn't think they were going to be <laughs> this bad. Um, you know, they started off zero and four, <laughs> and uh, yeah. I don't. I just don't see it changing with the way their defense has been playing and their offenses. Their offense is another inconsistency. You know, like I just, it's hard to tell. You know, I mean, their record definitely shows it, but 
Um, I know I was saying I try not to look, you know, through six weeks here, but uh, with 118 points scored, I mean, it's easy to see why when they've given up 193 points and they've only scored 118 through the season. Um, very easy to see where the issues are coming for Honolulu. <laughs> yeah. I still think it's underachieving saying that they would have zero zero wins at this point through four four weeks we're talking about here. I just, well, I mean, if you want to if you want to up it to six, they've still got zero wins through six. <laughs> so, not much. No, we're not going past week four. Come on, we need a show here, Lucid. <laughs> Nobody's going to listen in next week. They have but... to listen in next week. We're going to make Fred explain himself. <laughs> true. True. <laughs> I'm going to put him on the spot right out of the gate. All right, so quickly, I just want to go through um, stat leaders, um, you know, kind of through week f- up to week four. Uh, it didn't really change in the last two weeks too much, but we can go into that next week. You know, you have Kobe Jack, um, Boss in Sarasota is doing well. Capricolin's doing well. Um, you know, you got your top three quarterbacks there. Um, any comments on them and how they're doing? I mean, two of them have – Two of them had, at the four-week point, had like 14 touch or 14 touchdowns or 12 touchdowns, something like that, and hardly any interceptions. Yeah, I think the the ones that have been surprising to me, um, like you bring up the touchdowns with, uh, again, trying to look at past stats. I don't have those written down at that point, but when you look at what's going on right now with, you know, 17 touchdowns, from two quarterbacks already through the season over a hundred quarterback rating for both of them. Yeah. And then you have, I mean, both uh, with Jack only having three interceptions and boss junior having four. I mean, they've very efficient with the football. Um, I was surprised to see Caliban get dropped down the list. Um, Especially with the way, like we mentioned with Colorado, just throwing the football. 278 attempts. I know it's so hard to not talk through six weeks of, of games when it's already been played, but 278 attempts, only 171 completions out of those. And then you go up to Kobe Jack, who has 170 completions out of 242 attempts. Yeah. I mean, that's just almost 10% difference in efficiency there for what they're doing. Yeah, and Jack, with the like you brought up the over 100 quarterback rating, but 114.2 leading the league currently through six weeks. Yeah, it, um, it, it's crazy, and I'm not. I, I'm surprised Yellowknife isn't doing better than they are right now. You know, and that's kind of reminiscent to Caliban last season. Yeah, you, know, you had Caliban just putting up ridiculous numbers, but always seeming to come up on the wrong end of the scoreboard. All right, so those are our passing – top three passing passers through, you know, the four weeks, whatever we want to do. Yeah, whatever. we're going to just go six weeks at this point. <laughs> <laughs> we come in saying, hey, four weeks, let's do four weeks, power through four weeks. No, 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 it's too hard. It's too hard to do that. I've got, like I said, I've got my basic notes from last week, which are only through four weeks. But outside of that, trying to talk about some of the – some of these other stats, it's just hard when <laughs> everything's listed for six weeks at this point. All right, I'm going to read off the top five uh, rushers in the league right now, and I want you to tell tell me any of them that surprise you, all right? Tatsu Nakamura. Not surprised at all. Captain Rogers. Uh, I didn't expect two. him to be number two, but not surprised. Uh, you got Ichinos. That was and something we that We all know I, Frost. <laughs> yeah, seen coming. That's not a surprise at all. All right. 
Zoe Watts. Zoe Watt. Well, she's number five on it. Number five. That then, was one that surprised me. I really expected uh, Watts to be closer to the top of the list. Well, look at that efficiency though. Eighty-six attempts, four hundred and thirty-eight yards. That's five five point one yards per carry. That is pretty solid compared to those top. Outside of uh, Nakamura, I mean, that is crazy yeah, efficient compared to them. Nakamura is just ridiculous. Uh, Quest has created quite the player there with Nakamura. Yeah. And then, okay, number four on this list, Mike Garage Burns. Did you see him being here at this point? <laughs> I mean, I'm not going to say it's That's hard. Uh, looking at some of the fantasy ratings – that I had had for the season. I knew um, some people were giving Rochburns some love, um, but as far as seeing him up at the top and then seeing the performance that new Orleans has had so far, um, it's definitely surprising to see uh, Rochburns at fourth. A couple people that surprised me that aren't in the top five, Jamar Laxon, San Jose's running back surprises me. He's not up there. Another surprise. Another surprise to me, Madison Hayes. I totally thought Madison Hayes would have a – I mean, still could, but I thought that they would – you know, with Yoda regressing hard this year, I thought that that player would be much higher on the list. Um, but Yoda has just basically been vulturing off those those touchdowns. <laughs> so, Bringing up another one that uh... – surprises me that is not on that list which i think a lot of people will agree with is skyline um skyline was rated really high across a lot of people's board this season um at least coming in and through these first six weeks we're looking at 263 yards and three touchdowns and that's only on 64 attempts so i mean you're looking i mean q jr is getting a lot of a lot of attempts and he's not doing much with those attempts but no you're talking about i mean skyline's almost doubling the yards per carry yeah yeah but the vulturing of the carries there is definitely something that um hurts skyline i mean i if you would have asked uh, most people i think uh, everybody would have had skyline in the top five coming into the season yeah i agree or with you yeah, I, I mean, I'd say probably even lower than just top five. I'd say you probably wouldn't have had Skyline as a fifth quarterback. You could definitely make arguments for four there. I agree. All right, moving on to receiving stats here. So there are a couple surprise. No, not I wouldn't say surprise for the one, but the other one definitely is a surprise. So we got number one. We got Campbell up there from San Jose. Uh, blowing the top off of efficiency with yards per attempt. Um, not getting touchdowns, but getting that yardage. I think They've that's got, uh, good enough for go third best in the league right now. For the average? Yeah, yes, yeah. 17 yards. Yeah, number one in total yardage, though. Um, next up, Lim. No, not surprised by that one. Number two, um, He's doing what he does every single season with Colorado. Caliban loves throwing the ball to him. He's going to get his fill. Uh, you got Hood, newcomer to Berlin. He's up there third on the list. 
Um, he's doing pretty good. Him and him and Ski Up. Ski Up's doing surprisingly well this year, I think, in my opinion. And he's oh, yeah. not far out of the top five. No, when you look at it, I mean, he's not far behind Hood, really. Hmm. No. I mean, less than 100 yards separate the two for yeah. their performances. Yeah. All right. Fourth on the list, we got Kai Sakura. Um, not a surprise again. Uh, Sakura has been a great receiving threat, you know, for the last few seasons. Um, continued to do well. Um, and then the the fifth, number five, is a surprise to me. Uh, Bodenhammer. Hammer? Hammer? Bodenhammer? Nola? You know, a little bit of a surprise that he's up there, but, you know, two people really close to him uh, following. So um, one surprise to me, Nola, and, and we talk about Nola receivers here, but it's Barker. And I know he regressed. He regressed this year. But I am a little surprised that he is down the list from where he is. Seeing the NOLA players um, towards the top of the list is a little surprising <laughs> to me, just in general. Agreed. With the performance that they've had. I mean, I know they're at 500 right now through uh, six weeks, but they definitely haven't been a team that looks like uh, real playoff contenders, at least in my opinion. Um, yeah. So to see that they have, you know, a running back towards the top of the list and a wide receiver towards the top of the list, it's just kind of surprising that they're, I don't know, it's kind of surprising that they haven't been performing as well as they should or surprising that they've had players getting those kind of stats with how they've been performing. I'm not sure what's more surprising there. Well, and it was almost a consensus that they were written off this year. There was some stuff that happened in the offseason where they had some people, you know, you know, retire out of the blue. Uh, a few players they lost, that sort of thing. A lot of people thought, I mean, a lot of people thought that they were going to be one of those teams that did what um, Hahalua is doing really well right now, which is going 0 <laughs> 6. Yeah, they're going for perfect, right? Um, okay, honorable mention here just because it's an amazing stat. Uh, Videl San right now for um, Austin going cr- crazy. 30 catches for 528 yards. That's a 17.6 yard average. I believe that is best in the league. Best in the league. So I just wanted to mention them and what they're doing over there in Austin because they are the number one receiver in Austin right now, but Austin's offense is struggling so bad. <laughs> and uh, another another player that I do want to bring up here just for pure efficiency in the red zone um, is Passman uh, from Arizona. Oh, God, yeah. Touchdown uh, machine. Yeah, just a touchdown machine. While there, it seems to be the only place, really, that they're getting used, only 428 yards through the season on, uh, you know, on they're 30, a red zone machine. Yeah, 38 attempts or 38 catches, but uh, seven touchdowns leading the league right now. Yeah. And look at those names right behind, you yeah. know. <laughs> Passman coming out of nowhere just to grab touchdowns. All right. So we have defense. How do you want to talk about defense here? Because we could go through, you know, there's a lot of ways we could talk about the defenses and what they're doing. We could talk about team and their efficiency and what they're doing um, that way. Or, you know, we could highlight some individual defensive players, you know? Yeah, I'd like to, you know, highlight some individuals here. Um, Separate, you know, position if you'd like and just kind of touch base on it a little bit. Well, how about we pick three players we want to talk about and why we think – you know, they're highlight players right now. 
So you go first. You pick you pick one that you want to talk about, and we'll talk about them. Oh, I think that would be a good time. bouncing back. Um, overall, it's it's uh, kind of a tough one there. Trying put to you pick. on the spot. Yeah, trying to pick through positions here. I was. You want me to go pre- first? I was prepared to break this down by by position, but let's. Uh, um, we still can. We still can. Go ahead, pick I mean, a position, uh, talk about it. Well, no, I'm going to go ahead and bring yeah. this up. Uh, Winchester for me, I guess, would be one that I'd bring up. Uh, lacking a little bit in tackles, but when you start looking at the real stat line across the board, um, five behind the tackle leader on the season, you have two tackles for losses, uh, two forced fumbles, two fumble recoveries, three sacks. I mean, just a complete monster across the board coming in at linebacker. And you're not too far out of this either when you start looking at, you know, bringing up your player as far as Xavier Walls. Um with 43 tackles, uh, three tackles for losses, you know, only the one sack, but you've got two interceptions and six passes deflected right now, which is pretty unreal from the linebacker stat compared to the rest of the league. Yeah. Um, I'm having a very good rookie season. Surprisingly. (laughs) You and uh, Larson from Baltimore are basically competing with uh, cornerbacks and safeties for passes deflected and even, interceptions yeah i don't know why my play walls is a speed rusher and i don't know why he's getting pass coverage stats yeah i agree with you on winchester too i mean he's he's you know third in tackles uh he's making plays he's being big for that new york defense which was so highly touted coming into this season uh you know everybody thought that they were going to be a powerhouse and they've been slacking a little bit on stopping teams from scoring. Um, so that was a little bit of a surprise, but honorable mention there, uh, especially at linebacker. I do want to bring up murder moose uh, from Colorado. I was gonna, I was gonna mention because she is on a tear, man. Nine sacks. I mean, yeah, especially from a linebacker. Um, I know usually, at least from what I've seen since I've been around, it seems like the defensive ends kind of rule the sack world. Um, but right now your top four in the sacks are all linebackers. Yeah, and you look at that, two Austin players there on defense, linebackers, both with seven sacks, 42 tackles. Yikes. The, uh, defensive touchdown as well for Kennedy. Yeah, so they're playing very well in that linebacking core for Austin. But Murder Moose, we expected after this this many seasons of her going out and just getting sacks. This is quite a pace, though. Nine is quite a pace for this point. Yeah, nine, nine through <laughs> six weeks. I mean, that's unreal. <laughs> yeah. And a, another player that keeps keeps producing, like they've produced uh, for a long time, is Clemente from Sarasota. I don't know if you want to talk about free safeties here, but, um, you know, safety position. A lot of people say that it's been struggling the last few seasons to get stats, be, you know, some kind of uh, effect on the game. Um, but, man, Clemente the last few seasons ha- has just been getting those picks and touchdowns, pick sixes. Uh, four already this season. One for a pick six. Yeah, four interceptions, one one touchdown, and uh, one sack so far through the season. Yeah, and that's pretty much what you ask for out of a safety. 
you know, and then we got a bunch of cornerbacks there that are sitting at three interceptions apiece. So, I mean, secondary wise, I do think the new sim has been a little unforgiving on secondary players um, as a whole. Um, but And bringing it up as well while we're on Clemente, um, that four interceptions is good enough for the league leader as of right now as well. Yes. Yep. Um, what surprises me is there's not a lot of defensive and defensive tackle players at the top of this list anywhere for defensive players, which is shocking because normally you have people like Blackstone and um, players like Big Ed and them up there doing, you know, crazy stuff. I mean, we do have sacks. Uh, Blackstone does have six sacks on the season, but he's very little effectual otherwise. Um, you know, Kane Maakia, I think that's how you say the name for New York, also has six sacks. Uh, Jackson Waxen sitting there with five sacks for Colorado. Colorado defense in general is just getting sacks. Also, looking up uh, while we're on the subject of defensive ends, uh, Taylor from Yellowknife um, with six uh, sacks and two safeties so far. Yes, yeah, yeah. Safeties, two of them. That's pretty crazy through that many games to get two safeties yourself. Normally teams get two safeties on this season. You know, yeah, he got those. What's more, I think what's more impressive there is uh, the fact that they have six sacks and two safeties with only 17 tackles. Yeah. <laughs> Basically every tackle that Taylor has made this season has been an impactful play. Yeah. Agreed. Um, so s- any other individual defensive people that you wanted to talk about? Uh, you know, I think we've kind of covered some basics of the positions. We looked at the secondary. We talked about linebackers and uh, a little bit on defensive ends. Yeah. Let's see, uh, Bring up the kickers if you'd like, and uh... can't forget. Let's talk about offensive linemen quick because I think that would be a quick one. Um, we look at, I mean, one offensive lineman that stands out to me this season that has really stepped up um, and been really great for their team with still zero sacks allowed. Uh, you know, we got Franklin for Philadelphia, my man Hordle. Um, really having a great season for, for us here in Philly. Um, and then, you know, he is fourth in pancakes. Um, but basically, our, yeah, basically our running game runs through his side. 50 um, pancakes, know, zero sacks allowed so far. Yeah, and you look at Ding Dong and you got Galladay. Both of them are doing extremely well this season for their respective teams. Uh, you got a bot there, which we're not counting. Uh, so yeah a lot of good offensive tackles up at the top of that list right now be interesting to see like you brought up uh you know franklin from philadelphia the really the top four are there's a few that separate them the seven total from seven pancakes total from one to four but everything in between there is pretty close still so that's something that I can see changing quickly through the next couple of sims. 
All right, you were mentioning kickers. Yeah, I figure since we're breaking down uh, position groups, we got to talk about the uh, players that don't get enough love around here. Um, I know just basics right off the top. Um, I want to bring up while they are, you know, struggling to get anything going. Um, Powers from Honolulu um, has been probably the only bright spot. Um, I can't say that we've told, they they did surprise me by having players a little bit higher on the list with Roger Burns and um, I forget Nola. Nola was Roger Burns. Oh, that's right. I'm thinking. Yes, I was thinking Nola. Uh, Honolulu um, with Powers is four for four, fifty plus. Um, yeah. Nailed everything at fifty plus. It's nailed everything at forty to forty nine. Um, has not missed a single kick or extra point all season. Um, has just been automatic. 12 for 12 on extra points, um, 8 for 8 on all their field goal attempts, and all but one of those has been from 40 yards or greater. Um, so when you're looking at kickers, there's not much else that you would want from a kicker right now. So while Honolulu is struggling, they definitely have a, a bright spot there. Yeah, and right now, I mean, you have two kickers in the league who have six, you know, three kickers with 16-plus attempts, and two of them are sitting at uh, just over 87% for their field goal percentage. Um, and then Fensick is a little below them, so we got just uh, Jacob Small and McDermott, um, 16 attempts, missed two of them. Um, both have kicked over 50-yard field goals. You know, and right now the longest in the league is uh, Taipan Pete, who actually uh, is for that NOLA you're talking about um, for their kicker, and he's only missed one on the season. He's got one, he's a, one yard longer than uh, Powers from Honolulu. Yeah, so, I mean, they're both doing pretty impressive, but they have a little bit lower uh, amount attempted, so. Let's see where they average out, but I just, yeah. when I'm looking at that with the 56-yard long for Powers and then, just being automatic at 40 to 50 yards is well, the four for four from 50 plus is pretty impressive. Um, so you know, I mean, that some of the better, like the top kickers in the league, the ones that are, that are putting up, you know, the, the big numbers, um, through attempts, uh, talked about smalls, um, zero. I mean, their offense has, hasn't really needed to kick anything from 50, uh, with Berlin, but, uh, or sorry, with, uh, New York state. Um, but they've been, uh, like I said, zero for zero at 50, no attempts. And then Smalls is two for five at 40 to 49. Um, yeah. The same thing with King's been a little more efficient in the 40 to 49 range, but also zero attempts at 50 plus, which, like I mentioned, Berlin hasn't really had a need to kick from 50. But uh, when you start looking at that, these some of these top of the league kickers are nowhere near as efficient at the longer game. So, um I just wanted to give a little nod there to Powers. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree. Um, just looking quick, only kick return touchdown of the year, just to put this out there. Um, everybody, Jackson, Jackson Kingston in New York right now. Da boy. <laughs> uh, that was a 105-yard uh, kick return, by the way. Oh, wow. 105. 
Yeah, so, that, is, that is ridiculous. Yeah, congrats to him on winning Returner of the Year. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Win Returner uh, of the Year by the sixth week of the season, basically. Let's see what, uh, see what happens by the time it's all said and done. But um, I think it would be very hard to overlook that, especially with uh, while they're not at the top of the league and kick return yards, they're not far off. So I think that'd be really hard to overlook with the 105-yard return and the only touchdown. Uh, yeah. Moving back in, uh, I guess getting away from individual stats here, moving back into some team stuff. I know we talked a little bit about um, teams that surprised us and teams that were underperforming. Uh, we skipped over we touched very, very lightly on teams that were performing well. Uh, we did teams that we thought were performing where they should be, but actually discussing the teams that were at the top of the league. Um, so I'd like to move back into that and kind of get your opinion on a little bit more yeah. about what I think the top of the league looks like here. Yeah, no, it fits well, I think, with what, uh, you know, I wanted to talk about teams and points allowed and yards allowed and things like that. So it, it fits pretty well here. Um, right now we have Arizona leading the ASFC, and then we have the NSFC led by Sarasota, uh, two familiar faces um, leading those divisions. Um, I've talked about Arizona already. Um, I mean, they have the second highest amount of points scored in the league right now, and that's only behind the other division leader, which is Sarasota with 203. Um I mean, I think out of those two teams right now, Arizona, you look at their team and what they're doing, it's unassuming, right? So they don't have um, their quarterback throwing for 17 touchdowns. Crazy. Um, it's just they're, they're efficient and they're doing things uh, in, a, in a way that is, you know, they're letting their defense do their job and their offense is moving the ball and taking up time on the clock. And that's why their defense is only allowing 100. 35 points you know right now um, and that's outside you know outside of sarasota's crazy defense and uh orange county's out of nowhere defense um that's you know that's one of the high the lowest amounts of points allowed by any team so that differential is a big part of why they're where they are 107 points for orange county that is i mean yeah just... and uh arizona's only lost guess who it came from mm-hmm that's yeah, just the uh, Orange County team. When you really start looking at the rest of the league, that's where that – I know you spoke on it come up when we started this podcast with the uh, – I should say second – the second line, sorry. Second line led to their first loss. Yeah, talking about how um, Orange County's defense kind of came out of nowhere and was really impressing you. Um, that 107 points allowed so far through six games really puts that into a lot better perspective. But the offense of only 129 points scored, if they can figure that out, I think that they will be uh, in a very solid spot if their defense continues to play the way they does. We're talking about Orange County here. And then moving back in, I know we discussed them again. I'm just, I'm, I'm just blown away by San Jose right now. Uh, I just did not see a 4-2 and two start coming from them. Well, and you look at their team, you know, they're a negative – Right now, they're a negative 13-point differential between points for and points against. 
So, I mean, if you you had put them into an overachieving uh, rank, right, on that first part? Uh, I would put them into an overachieving just on win-loss record alone at this point. Right, right, right. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I mean, it's... Through my first week here, I had, um, or my first four games through the first week of the season, I, I bumped them down in my power rankings uh, with my first power rankings at all that I'm going to give out here. I don't know if you have a, a set of power rankings for yourself, but um, I just wasn't, I wasn't buying them uh, at three and one and now they're four and two and they seem to keep winning somehow, even with that negative point differential. Um, so I just, that's a team that I'm, I'm not sure what to expect going forward with them. Yeah, and uh, when you're talking about power rankings, quick, I'll just run down my my you know kind of rankings I have for the top teams that we wanted to talk about here. So we look at the teams that are four and two, five and one right now. Um, Sarasota's topping the list, obviously for me. Their defense is so good. Their offense is going crazy right now. Boss is really coming into his own. Um, I do think that they are one of the favorites to win. They are in a hard division though. I think with Yellowknife, which I think will be doing better coming up, and Berlin, who should be, like, you already heard me talk about them and how I think that they should be blowing the top off of the offensive side of the ball. Um, second on that list, uh, I have Arizona up there uh, as number two. Uh, this is for the whole league, obviously. Uh, talked about them enough, I think. Uh, after them, I have Berlin as number three. Um, still strongly think that they're going to go up. I had Berlin as number one coming into the season. Um, they have dropped down since then, uh, but I still think that they are are strong contenders right there. The team that has risen the most is the Otters, in my opinion. Um, they're at number four for me right now, um, solely because their defense is playing so freaking good. Um, <laughs> Yeah, nothing else I can say about that. The offense needs to do more. The defense is playing ungodly right now. Uh, after them, uh, I have the New York Silverbacks on there. Uh, they're, again, I have mentioned that their defense coming into the season was looked at as one of the top defenses, if not the top defense. Um, obviously, they're not playing up to that standard, but their offense is doing pretty well. Um, so, you know. Uh, I do think that they are up there in the power rankings. And then I have San Jose. Um, and Colorado, San Jose are kind of in the same ranking here, in my opinion. Colorado has a little bit better offense, um, but their defense is able to get sacks, but not able to stop points scored. <laughs> so out of those out of those two teams between San Jose and Colorado, which one is more of a pretender? Uh, San Jose, I think. Now, both teams are negative in the point differential as well. Yeah, one is three points off. The other one's negative 13. So. I mean, you could argue that the Yeti uh, have let up 171 points versus 154 as well, but they also put up more points. No, I, I think I would agree with you there. I think San Jose is still the team that I'm waiting for the other foot to drop there, the other shoe to fall, so. Yeah, the team that's dropped the most in my power rankings has been the Wraiths. Um, I had them in the top five coming into the season. Um, they have since dropped down from there. I do think they'll bounce back, but uh, that division is getting harder and harder, I think, as time goes on, whereas the other division is kind of getting, 
lot easier. Um, you know, you got Philadelphia, you got Baltimore. Both those teams are at different stages of their rebuilds. And I think that they are going to be doing better and better as the seasons go on here. Um, Yellowknife seems to be dropping off a little bit. Uh, but that whole, you know, Colorado might drop off after this season. They do have players that are close to regression points. Um, Sarasota is just always a good team. Um, and Berlin, uh, Berlin has some young standout people that are going to do well for that team too. So that division, the NS, the NSFC is going to be tough in the next few, couple seasons, except for the butchers, poor butchers. <laughs> <laughs> they have struggled, man. <laughs> like they have just been being to I hell. Feel, I, I still feel bad for Chicago, aside from just having people there that um, I've really enjoyed getting to know since I've come into the league. Last season, it seemed like they had one of the highest TPE totals mm-hmm. and just were on the bad side of the sim yeah. more times than not or missing. I mean, there was multiple games that I watched of theirs last season where they missed the closest field goals that you could ever possibly attempt and come away from a, you know, a 90 yard drive with no points getting all the way to like the 10 or the five and then completely missing at the end there. Um, yeah. The, uh, they have great guys in there, and I'm, I feel bad for them and how, how unlucky they have been in the recent seasons. Um, Definitely just the – I mean, when you talk about being on the wrong side of the sim, I think there's no better example, at least since I've been here, than Chicago last season. Yeah, and I, I do think next season they're going to – I mean, O'Donnell is about near the end of his kind of – I mean, in the last few seasons he was a top-tier quarterback as far as TPE goes. Um, but his regression is definitely going to hit him hard here, and they're going to have to figure out what to do with that. And they're going to be in that rebuild stage, I think, kind of like the other teams have been. Another team that uh, I'm not sure where you had them sitting this season, but um, Austin Copperheads, that was another one that was – they surprised me last season, and so far they're surprising me again this season for two entirely different reasons. <laughs> No, I agree with you. I had Austin actually reasonably high up there, kind of in the spot that, uh, you know, Colorado San Jose was at to start the season. Um, You know, I I did think that they were going to be doing better than they are currently. I know last season that was, they were the team that I, I kept saying, no, everything I was seeing from them didn't seem like they were going to be good. And it just seemed like as the season rolled on, it just got harder and harder to deny. And so I actually gave them some some love my preseason rankings coming in here, and then they have repaid me by losing five in a row and being one and six or one and five right now, <laughs> two six weeks in the season. So um, I think that was a, another one of those teams that really shocked me coming into the season. All right, week seven upset game of the week. What do you think it's going to be? Ooh, let me see all the games here. Week seven. All right, week seven. Let's see. Oh, the upset game of the week for week seven is easy. What's it gonna be? The uh, Philadelphia Liberty are going to knock off the five and one Sarasota Sailors. <laughs> I was gonna say the same thing, just be stupid. But hey, if we're both on the same <laughs> same line of thought, you know, it's these types of things that kind of set up for that sort of crazy shit in the sim, you know. Who, who knows? 
Here's another gonna... crazy, crazy prediction that I'll go ahead and make. Um, call it a hot take if you want. Honolulu leaves week seven with their first win of the season. Against NOLA, huh? At yeah, I could see it. Nola, I could see it. I also think that the Hawks have a chance to beat the Yeti. Ooh, that's a good one. It could be it could be a week of upsets. I also would not be surprised to see Berlin bounce back against Arizona at home. Yeah, I, I'm so high on Berlin though that I I don't know that that would be a upset to me. I would say it'd be an upset just because of the way that Arizona has been performing. I think um, I know you had Sarasota as the number one team in the league, but um, Arizona is just. Losing that that their first game this last week was, uh, man, it's, it's just hard to overlook what they've been able to do. Well, it was against um, a it was against a not good New Orleans team. So when you have you know this Berlin team that we're I think we're all expecting to kind of bounce back. Um, I know talking to people last season, it seemed like everybody was kind of waiting for Berlin to come on over the last season or two, um, and then they finally seem like stepped into their own last season. So I think it's a little bit of a surprise to see them uh, start out at two and two through the first four and four and two through the first six. So, Yeah. Agreed. I mean, they're average. They're averaging this season. Um, they're averaging 35 points per game. So, I mean, we've basically already touched on half the games. You want to go ahead and make uh, some week- weekly predictions for week seven? You want to look down the list? Week seven predictions going to be. Um, you want me to do score plus uh, minus? What do we want to do here? You can, uh, however you want it. If you want to do score plus minus or just pick winners. Uh, all right, week seven takes. You want me to do all of them right down the row or you want some or what? Yeah, just go ahead and do all of them. All right, week seven takes. Titans takes. Um, I do believe that the Berlin Fire Salamanders are going to beat the Arizona Outlaws, and I think they're going to be doing it by double digits. Ooh, that's a hot take. Uh, game number two of the week, Yellowknife versus the Chicago Butchers. I think that the Butchers are going to come out with a win by three. Okay. Uh, Liberty versus the Sailfish. As much as I want this to be an upset, I do think that the Sailfish are probably going to pull this one out by 10-plus points. Their defense is just so good, and Ryan Niggs has been still trying to find his stride. Who knows? This could be his breakout game, though. Game number four, Baltimore versus Colorado. I do, in fact, think that the Hawks are going to pull out a win against Colorado. And it's going to be by less than uh, by less than a touchdown. Otters versus the Silverbacks. I think it's going to be a close game. I think total, there's going to be less than 24 points scored in this game. Um, and I think the Otters are going to win it. Austin versus the Sabercats. I do believe that the Sabercats are going to continue to win games like this. Uh, they're going to beat Austin. Austin is just, I don't know what's up with Austin, but as I think we talked about before the show, I think morale has more and more to do with this sim the more I watch games and look at skills of players and stuff. And I think right now Austin is kind of down. Um, that last game there, I do agree with you on that one. Uh, hot take, uh, prediction of the week, upset. Haha, ha, Lua come out on this game with their first win, and I think it's going to be by multiple touchdowns. Okay. 
kind of backtracking to to start here. I definitely agree. I know we both spoke on it. Um, I think Berlin's going to beat Arizona. Um, while I do think Arizona is still one of the best teams in the league, I think this is going to be a game that um, Berlin continues to roll for. Um, looking at the Butchers versus the Wraith, I actually agree with you here. I think Chicago's going to take it. Um, I think that'll be a close game, but I do think the Butchers will come out on top. I disagree with you on the Sailfish versus Liberty game. I feel like this is one of those games that you just is the head scratcher of the week, where on paper the Sailfish should run away with this one, but I think this is going to be a double-digit win by the Liberty. I hope so. Um, moving on to the Yeti versus the Hawks, I think the Yeti continue to roll here, um, beating Baltimore. Another close game, but I think the Yeti will end up on top. I have Orange County being the Silverbacks. Um, I'm going to give San Jose the nod here. I've been sleeping on them all season. I'm going to go ahead and give them the nod, say San Jose is going to take out Austin. And like we both agree, the hot take of the week is the Hahalua will get their first win of the season. I hope they do. I hope they get their first win. The second line kind of came out of that last game with Arizona stealing one, so I think they can give one back by uh, losing to Honolulu here. So coming in, too, I had my week, my through four-week power ranking, um, which has changed a little bit now that we're at six weeks, but I'm going to go ahead and go off with my top from my first four-week power ranking. Uh, coming in at number one through the first four weeks, I had Arizona um, at with a record of 4-0 through four weeks. Um, I don't think at that point anybody would have argued that they were the best team in the league. I had Sarasota at number two with a 3-1 and record. Um, again, not a surprise that they have performed as well as they have this season. For me, number three was Orange County. That defense, like you've, we've talked about enough through this podcast, has been unbelievable so far this season and led them through a 3-1 and record through the first four games. Um, and then I'm looking at Colorado here, and that's was a team that I wasn't expecting to perform that well, but it was kind of hard to overlook. I had Yellowknife at five with a two and two record through four games. I just don't think that they're a team that's going to stay at 500. I think by time by time it's all said and done, I think they'll be uh, well above 500. So I wasn't sold on the two and two record they were having there at the point. Uh, the same thing with Berlin. I had them at six uh, with a two and two record, even though they uh, had a worse record than San Jose at that point. I just, I don't, wasn't buying into Berlin being that 500 team. I had San Jose at seven with three and one. I, you know, I spoke on it already. I think they're just a surprise that three and one record. I do think they're a pretender. Uh, I'm sure that's going to upset a few members from my London team as I do have a few uh, people in London that are associated to San Jose. I just I think they're pretending right now, and eventually we're going to see them exposed. The or truth hurts, I'm, man. Or I'm going to eat these words by the end of the season. So, <laughs> I mean, either way, I'm, I'm either right or I'll publicly eat these words. So, I had Philly at 8 at 2-2. Two and two. I, think, um, I think Philly is one of those teams that is going to be on the – outside chance at a playoff shot by the end of the season. 
there's some teams in that division that are going to be hard to pass uh, with Sarasota, Berlin, and Yellowknife, and then Colorado performing the way they are. Um, but I just think Philly's record will put them in at least contention towards the end of the season. Had New York at number nine, which was surprising to me because they were uh, my number three team coming into the season, dropping you know six spots to nine. Had Austin at 10 at one and three, Chicago 11 at one and three, Baltimore 12, New Orleans at 13, and Honolulu bringing it up at the bottom at an 0-4 record through the first four weeks. So we'll see where where this goes. We'll uh, revamp this power ranking for the next episode and go from there. So I know you had a uh, you had your hot take of the week. Is there anything else that uh, any other bold predictions you'd like to make for this coming up uh, week seven? I was just looking through. I think another stat, and this is for all those betters out there, I think that uh, the Liberty game you're talking about, I think that the Liberty are going to come out with uh, at least five sacks in that game. That's something I that's something I should have pulled up for this. I don't know. Um, definitely a, a note to add here to bring up some of the casino talk for future pods. I don't know that uh, I haven't really bet in the casino. I've, all my money has been towards uh, trying to improve my player at this point, but. Same, same. Yeah, I haven't done much in the casino either. Even that free bet thing, I didn't use that. Uh, I just wasn't sure what to do with the casino. But I'm yeah, also not very lucky when I say these kinds of things. So. I definitely want to take advantage of that uh, that free money if that's something that's going to keep coming up. Yeah. Or free chance of money, I guess. You know? Anything yeah. else you wanted to touch on through these first couple weeks here? I don't think so. You know, I think we're good. I think we touched on a lot of stuff. We we meant to do more shows in between the beginning of the season and now, but I think that this is a good catch-up episode and look forward to hearing about probably the next two weeks, uh, maybe three weeks after this uh, with your stats and your hot takes and your bets of the week coming from us you're surely hopefully hopefully shrub will be here to explain himself yeah he's i mean he's got to at this point it's, all of his fans out there all three if, of them even if he decides that he no longer wants to be a part of this uh segment or this chunk of show that we have going on he's at least got to come on and explain why he he is not here today yeah he needs to express he needs to explain you know to his fan his three fans out there why he hasn't been hey you know he's he is very proud of the fact that he's got a cult of shrub going on. I don't know if you've seen all the all the shrub impersonators around the league. But there are so many of them. There's so many shrubs around the league. He's when I had him on my podcast, he had uh, talked about how he he didn't know exactly how it started, but he, he's just surprised how the shrubs everywhere. So uh, this is about as good as place as any to I guess go ahead and wrap it up for the week. Yeah, man. Awesome. Us next week. Great having you on, and we'll get this uh, rolling again. Yeah, good being here, as always. That's it, guys. That's the show. 
Thanks for hanging out with us. And as always, I appreciate anyone who's taken the time to listen. Special thanks to Titan for joining FanWorld. Catch us next week. If you enjoyed the show, rate, follow, review, and join our world.